We hadn't been home long when one day my mother took me with her on a shopping excursion. My parents had forbidden me to explore the devastated city on my own, believing it to be dangerous. But on this day, my mother was looking for a certain pattern of cloth for seat cushions and other household items that had been impossible to find during the past few years, and she asked me to come along. We rode a streetcar packed with soiled, hungry people across the center of Tokyo, my mother whispering in my ear not to let any of the men press their bodies against me. We passed two empty occupation buses, making their usual rounds, and pairs of white-helmeted, white-gloved American MPs standing stiff and tall and always silent, in front of stone buildings bearing Japanese names, but flying, now, American flags. Everywhere, two Japans. There were separate trains for the occupiers, and separate streetcars, too, and these, like the occupation buses, were almost always empty. In the filthy, crowded Japanese cars, meanwhile, the cloth had been stripped from the seats. Around town, one would see people wearing pants and coats patched with that worn plush green material formerly sat upon by commuters and housewives. Windows had no glass in them, and in winter the cars were freezing. But it was spring then, not winter, and just to be going shopping in the Ginza filled me with excitement. I held my mother's elbow and looked through the bare windows at gray ruins enlivened here and there by glints of yellow new wood. At Yurakucho, a few tall office buildings were still standing, and in their strange isolation they appeared like giants from another age. The streetcar clattered onward. The Hattori building's clock tower was intact. Heads in our car turned in unison to observe it, merely because it had survived. Then we came to the Ginza crossing, and before us was the Mitsukoshi department store, completely gutted by fire, the warped empty window frames like so many melted eyes. No doubt it was a common sight to many by then, and yet the voices in our streetcar fell silent in horrified reverence. I stared too, and it wasn't the humiliation of national defeat or the horror of burned corpses that gripped my imagination, but a mental image of the famous department store as it had been before the war, its floors and aisles lined with beautiful clothes to wear and delicious foods to eat. One doesn't stop wanting certain things simply because they've been taken away. One simply wants them more.